0: is the future of the cincinnati reds as bright as we think it is well stick around we're going to finish our conversation with tom nichols and he's going to let us know what he thinks from his perspective down on the farm that's on today's locked on reds let's go you are locked on reds your daily cincinnati reds
1: podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
2: you have found the Lockdown Reds Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Alongside co-host Stephen Offenbaker, we are talking with Tom Nichols from the Dayton Dragons. If you missed any part of yesterday's conversation, I urge you to go. We broke down a lot of great prospects that have been through the Dragons team yesterday or last year. And we talked about it yesterday, so if you missed any of that, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the future of the Reds organization based on the players that Tom has seen go through the Dayton Dragons. And we're going to talk about the minor leagues as a whole and how the Reds have provided for their minor leaguers even before it was cool. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast If you're not subscribed, make sure you do so. Follow us on your favorite podcasting app and follow us on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow Steve at S Offenbaker and follow the show at Locked On Reds. All right, we're going to jump back into our conversation with Tom Nichols, starting by
0: looking at the future of the Reds. Let's let's stay on that theme of what you've seen and and what you've seen move through. Uh, you know, you've had the good fortune of seeing a lot of great players come through Dayton, and uh, I can tell that you follow what's in the pipe as well. So, I guess I'd ask for your overall evaluation of uh, what you think the the future looks like for the big league club for the Reds. Uh, do you feel like uh, the the Reds farm system as a whole and you know, as a result, the, the big league team are, are moving in the right direction. Is there a, is there a solid foundation of, of players moving through the system right now?
1: I'll answer that in two ways. Um, on the one hand, I would say in terms of the number of prospects we had in Dayton in 2021 and, and throughout the system overall, if you look at where the Reds were in 2019, 2020, and then where they were in 2021... Big, big improvement there. Um, now, where does that credit go? Does it go to the scouts who did a, an excellent job in the draft? Probably some of that, yes. Um, we had more um, top 20 prospects at the end of the season than I can ever remember on a Dayton team at one time. I, I, and some of them were were not quite top 10 prospects, Somebody like an Ivan Johnston, who I don't think too many people have him right now in the top 10, but he's certainly a top 20 prospect in the red system. Um, Somebody like um, a Christian Roa starting pitcher who was a second round pick in 2020 out of Texas A&M. Not too many would have him in the top 10, but I think most everybody would have him in the top 20. Um, And we had a number of guys like that. I think we had about eight or nine guys at the end of the season that were top 20 prospects in the red system, all in on one team. Um, and so that's, uh, that's something you just don't see. Um, when we've had years, I'll, I'll go back. I remember, <laughs> this is a funny story, I'll just throw it in here for, for a quick moment. In uh, 2009, um, we had a new manager that year, a guy who became a very good friend of mine, did some Dragons TV with me many times, Todd Benziger, well-known former red, came in as the manager. He, uh, he had not managed or coached in pro ball before that year. And um, the 2008 season, the year before he got there, we had lots of prospects on the team. We had Todd Frazier, we had Zach Kozart, we had Devin Meseraco, um, all the same team. So the next year, Benzier comes in as the manager and he goes through spring training and he sees his team every day and he shows up to manage the team opening day here in Dayton and our writer asks him, what do you think about the fact that you don't really have any prospects on the team? And he said, what are you talking about? And he pulls out his baseball America handbook, which has the top 30 prospects. And there's not one single Dayton player off that 2009 roster. That's even a top 30 prospect, not a single one. And he shows Benzinger that. And I still to this day can see the look on Todd's face because that was news to him. He had absolutely no idea that his team and his roster was made up of a lot of guys that no one really saw as prospects. That's the way it can work some years. So that year we had none, Um, and and if I remember correctly, we did eventually, as the year went on, have a couple of guys come in and join us that got the big leagues, because we've had big leaguers off every Dayton team, future big leaguers, Um, but that year we started the year with none. Um, and, uh, so we had a lot last year, so that, that was a big upgrade for us in terms of the number of prospects. I look at the roster that I think could be coming in here in 2022. And again, I see a lot of guys who, um, potentially are, are top 20 prospects that, that could start here. Um, some of them we've talked about already, uh, and, uh, again, I don't know the roster, but if they move guys up the way they typically have over the years, a lot of those guys are going to be here. Um, you know, we, we we could have a couple of catchers that are both top 20 prospects, uh, perhaps. Uh, we could have uh, a middle infield and a third baseman and, and, and an outfielder or two and, and, and about four starting pitchers. You look at a possible rotation. I'm getting off target here a little bit. But, you know, Andrew Abbott last year was uh, – what was he? He was a – he was a second-round pick out of Virginia, starting pitcher, possibly a, a, a Dayton Dragon. Um, Thomas Farr, fifth-round pick out of uh, South Carolina. We had him for one start last year. Bryce Bonin and Christian Roa were both uh, second- or third-round picks the year before 2020 out of college programs. James Meriden came in last year, looked absolutely great in the two starts we had him. The Reds put him on the 40-man roster. That's a fifth guy. A sixth guy, James Proctor, out of Princeton, uh, had a real good year at Daytona. So there's six starters. One of those guys will probably go to Daytona, maybe even two, um, and the others should come here. So that's a very good starting rotation. Outstanding when you compare it to to recent years. So in terms of quality, that there's uh, there's a lot to, to to like there. Now going back to your question, Steve, um, I, I always go back to you're going to have that when you have quality people at the ground level going up. So the Reds have had some changes in in the last several years. They've had uh, changes with the farm director. They've had changes with the scouting director. They've had uh, obviously a general manager uh, uh, change there. Um, They've hired new scouts. Those are really the pieces that determine, and a lot of fans that you know, you don't see those guys. There's no... There's no standings on your scouts that you can look at. You can't look in the paper and, 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 and see uh, scout standings. Um, you can't see wins and losses for your scouting director or your farm director. But those are the people that determine, in many ways, if they're quality people that know what they're doing. Those are the people that determine what kind of players you get to the big league level. If you're a small market team, you better have a top 10 scouting director. And a top ten farm director, and I, I uh, you know, I like uh, where we are right now, and we'll see how it goes moving forward. The, the the results though have been a lot of prospects the last season in Dayton, and probably a lot coming through in twenty twenty two. I look at our roster that I'd kind of tentatively wonder if that's what we may get. It reminds me a little bit of the twenty seventeen Dayton team, and that year's team we had. Uh, let's see, Taylor Trammell, Tony Santion. Jose Siri was the best player in the league that year. We had uh, um, T.J. Friedl. Um, we had we had quality players all over the field that year. Uh, Scott Moss was an all-star pitcher for us that year. Uh, traded to Cleveland in the in the trade that brought uh, uh, Bauer to the Reds. So um, that that was a good team. This year's team maybe maybe a team that's in many ways uh, looks like that team.
0: We are well into the new year and we're working on those new year's resolutions. And if you're like me, you're reaching the part in your... Fitness goal where you really need some candy, you're really looking for some chocolate, uh, you're really just basically looking to uh, to dive right back into the sweet stuff, and that would mean blowing your goal, blowing the diet, blowing that resolution. But what if I told you that you could have both? You can have both if you head over to Built.com right now and get yourself a Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar has some amazing stats. So we're all about stats here at the Locked On Reds podcast, and those stats are a hundred. 30 calories, only four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and all of that coated in 100% real chocolate. Sounds too good to be true, but it is not. And it gets even better. If you head over to built.com right now and use the promo code locked 15, you're going to get 15% off of your entire order. It's going to help you get through those cravings. It's going to help you maintain your uh, intestinal fortitude to stay on that diet and really uh, attack those fitness goals that you've set for yourself in 2022. So head over to built.com, hit those flavors. The cherry barcia is my personal favorite. Uh, It it is as wonderful as it sounds. And again, use that promo code lock 15 to let them know that Jeff and I sent you from here at locked on reds. I want to get back to that, uh, that off-air conversation that we had uh, when we were getting started, because uh, there was some reorganization within the minor leagues this year. And uh, one of the things that happened was uh, there was a flip-flop in the quote-unquote pecking order with Daytona becoming the low-A team and uh, Dayton becoming the high-A team, correct? That's correct. So how did that translate on the field for you? Did, did you get a, was there a different feel to the team as a result of that? Uh, You had some interesting off air thoughts and I wanted to pose that question to you again while we were recording, because I thought you were going in a very interesting direction when we were talking about it.
1: Right. Good question. Um, Dayton went from low A to high A in in 2021 after being a low A club for uh, 20 years. And I, 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 I've worked at high A before. And I wonder, well, how things I, – I like this move for us. How are things going to work out? It was a, obviously a very strange year because there had been no season in 2020. And the first thing that every organization had to do was try to figure out how are we going to construct our rosters when there was no season the previous year? So do we move guys up based on where they played the last year that there really was a year, a season? Or do we move guys up based on the age that says this is where they should be? In other words, if you're, a, if you're a low A player, you're probably 20 to 22. If you're a high A player, it might be 21 to 23, even maybe an occasional 24 in there. So that, that was the first decision everybody had to make, I think, is how do we construct the roster based on the fact that there was no season in 2020? Typically, if you're a high A club... You're going to have a team full of guys that either played their previous year in low A or maybe even high A, and they're repeating that level again. Well, we had a a team full of guys that had played in Billings, a rookie-level club. So what the Reds did and what most all the organizations did was they kept guys sort of on schedule based on their age. So really, you look at our roster, we had guys like Quinn Cotton, who had been in – Billings, we had Eric Yang, our catcher, had been in Billings. We we had a number of uh, everyday guys who had moved from rookie level and skipped over low A and, and, and played at the high A level. So for me, the order was the same in terms of rookie, low A, high A, double A, triple A, but it's going to take some time for – the whole thing to sort of naturally evolve so that the jump from rookie to low A is equal to the jump from low A to high A. It'll take some time for that to happen. Right now, it's not, it's not an equal jump. Rookie level in in the Arizona complex league is mostly like um, 17, 18 year olds, Uh, guys that either played the Dominican summer league or high school uh, draft picks and they only had one high school pick last year. So then there's a big jump from there to low A and then you get to high A and then to double A. As time goes by, it'll be an equal jump from level to level. That'll, that'll sort of be how the natural evolution of things takes place, but it'll take a couple of years for things to really settle in right now. They're just titles. E- eventually a, a it'll get back to the point where a high A player will be a guy that played low a the year before a double a guy will be a guy that played high a the year before. That's not the way it was last year. There, there was this, a level being skipped there. So you almost had to throw the titles out and just look at the order. Again, it was, it was Arizona complex league reds and Goodyear, then Daytona, then Dayton, then Chattanooga, then Louisville. And, and, and not worry so much about titles. I, I do think, again, as, as a, a year or two goes by, it'll settle back in to where those those levels will take on the, 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 the competition that you would expect. So we had Got guys, again, we had um, a lot of guys that had not played low A ball in our club. And, and uh, so it, it was probably... Um, somebody mentioned to me at one point that um, that Daytona was like Billings, uh, and, and that because that their guys had played uh, that that was the natural jump to Daytona, and you know you had no extended spring situation there, so it was a uh, an interesting year to say the least. And I do think give it another year or so, eventually what I expect might happen is that. Because it's such a because you've eliminated Greenville and Billings, what I think you'll see happen eventually is every organization, all 30, will have two complex level clubs, a higher and a lower. So, and some teams already have that. There's some teams that have two Arizona Complex League teams, others don't. I think you'll see everybody have two, a higher and a lower. And it allows that jump to full season ball to become a little bit easier.
2: Well, I got to apologize there for a minute. I was trying to show off my really awesome Jose Siri bobblehead, but oh, I yeah. was on mute, so we're gonna edit that part out. But yeah, because I I always loved Jose Siri that year, and that was for the hitting streak that he had. He did, and, and it's interesting getting to see like all the different changes and things like that. And one of the biggest things that Major League Baseball has kind of put into focus is the provisions for minor league ball players and something that they've they've talked about you know providing housing bumping up the pay and things like that and something that we got the chance to talk with justin rock from daytona tortugas last week about was how the reds have kind of already been doing that and how they've been providing different things for reds players in the minor leagues can you speak to that and what have you seen from the dayton side of things when it comes to what the reds have been able to provide
1: he means like in terms of housing or
2: just like, cause he, he was talking about like different things so far as like transportation and, and, and different behind the scenes, things that I think that some people inherently thought that the reds were just neglecting when it came to their own minor league organization.
1: Well, I, I'm not too sure about most of that. Um, you know, I've been in this for uh, a long time. I started calling games in 1988. So, You know, things have really changed a lot as the years have gone by. And and for the most part, um, in most areas, they've improved dramatically um, as the years have gone by. And and, and, uh, um, that would include things like the quality of the hotels that we stay in um, and uh, the transportation. Uh, Most of those things have really, really improved. And this past year, I think because of some of the new standards that were put in place, um there was a, a big maybe the biggest jump ever because you know you saw teams traveling with two or three buses instead of one. And I can tell you that's a big difference. Uh when you've got <laughs> when you've got 30 ball players, four coaches, um a couple of uh broadcasters, maybe, um, the trainer, the strength and conditioning guy, the video guy, maybe a clubhouse manager all crammed onto one bus <laughs> it's uh, it, it's a crowded situation and, and I was glad to see that they made that that jump to to multiple buses and uh, um, I think that's a good thing for the players going forward.
2: We're going to finish up our chat with Tom Nichols here in just a moment. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the only online sportsbook that I trust, and you can too. They want to wish everybody a happy betting new year as we are getting into the NFL playoffs, and you can bet on the NBA and NCAA basketball as well as the NHL, UFC, and boxing, plus You can play your favorite Vegas casino games right there at betonline.ag. Head on over there today to their brand newly updated desktop or mobile website and set up your profile with the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus just for typing that promo code in and start your bankroll off in the right direction before you even place your first wager. That's BetOnline.ag and set up your profile with the promo code locked on to take advantage of their 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag is where the game starts. We're going to finish up our conversation with Tom Nichols from the Dayton Dragons. He's got an interesting point about the nutrition of minor league ball players and how that has evolved over these
1: last couple of years. You know, the, the a lot of the fans don't really I think know that, and we get this question a lot is, you know, the players are not employees of the Dayton dragons. Uh, they're, they're Reds employees are under contract with the Reds. We kind of try to stay out of of the personal, we try to be helpful and supportive, but we don't get involved too much in, uh, in things between employee and employer there. So we, uh, we stay out of that. And I, I honestly, Honestly, Jeffrey, I don't I don't like to talk too much about it because I, I'm a I'm a third party to all of that, and I, I, um, so I mean specifically if you've got something I, I'd be happy to answer. But uh, just generalizing, uh, you know, I don't have any complaints with any of the things that that I've seen, and uh, um, you know, the uh, example the Reds uh, in the last couple of years have really upgraded their um, nutritional standards uh, back to a day where. Um, you know, the the guys were just given a a meal money for road games and it became fast food usually and and, and now uh, before and after every game and pregame was like peanut butter and jelly. It was that way for literally decades. Maybe some fruit, peanut butter and jelly and that was it. And then after the game, here's your meal money, go across and get fast food, get a burger and fries. And now um, pregame and postgame, the players are provided with a nutritious meal with an entree and sides. Um, and there's just so much more effort put into the, the overall development of the player uh, physically, mentally, all that stuff. And and that's, again, that's a good thing that's, that's taken place over time. The Reds uh, added the, that maybe, I think, about 2018, somewhere in that range. And, and so they've, they've continued to build on that. They've got a, a, a nutritional expert that comes in uh, and make sure the players know uh, the best uh, um, policies to follow, and, uh, and and the strength and conditioning guy and the trainer also do their part there. I can remember when the strength and conditioning position started to come into minor league baseball. It's about the early 2000s, maybe about 2002, and now everybody's got that. Um, and it used to be, it was just trainer, manager, pitching coach, and now it's manager, pitching coach, hitting coach, bench coach, trainer, strength and conditioning coach, video coordinator. Um, and some teams again, also have a traveling nutritional expert. So, and then maybe even a fifth coach in some cases, who's a development coach of some sort. So it's really minor league baseball is certainly uh, gained momentum when it comes. I think teams have realized, hey, if we've got all this money invested in the players, maybe we need to go the extra step, walk the extra mile, and make sure they're we're getting the most out of their potential. That's cool
2: to see the evolution of minor league baseball and the way that that has gone these these past uh, so many years want to close out with this because I appreciate you giving us your time, Tom. It's been a lot of fun talking with you about the Dragons and some key players that folks can look forward to watching and things like that. What has been, because I know that there were so many this past year, but what has been your favorite moment from the 2021 season of Dayton Dragons baseball? Uh,
1: Well, maybe just getting the season started again, I guess that was, uh, I mean, we had, we had a good year this year on the field. Quite honestly, we had a good team. Yeah. We finished as our co-champions in our division because of the way they did the playoffs this year, it was kind of a strange way and we didn't get in the playoffs. Uh, the, the playoff teams from our league came from the same division, um, versus uh winner of one division against the uh, the opposite division. Um, we had a good year just getting back and playing again. Uh, was great. Um, it was a tough year in terms of every broadcaster would tell you, and I, I respect Justin. If you got into this with him, would have said the same. And that is, we a lot of us were calling games off of monitors, which was which was difficult. Um, there was just no way to do a good job, and um, so we did the best we could and hope that people understood uh, that that was all we could do. Uh, you you had games where you might have been looking at your monitor and trying to call a fly ball, and the camera operator lost sight of the ball, which meant you had no idea where the ball was, whether it fell for a hit, was caught, went foul, was a home run, or whatever. could have been any of those things. And uh, so and you just were at the mercy of the camera operator and the director. Um, and so there, there, were, um, there were a lot of days like that. And even at the big league level, I mean, one of the more famous plays of the major league season was that play with Javier Baez of the Cubs where they uh, had the rundown going on on the hitter between home plate and first base. And eventually <laughs> the guy from third uh, sprinted home and scored a run and, and the broadcaster for the Cubs, uh, uh, Skiambi, um, had no idea he was coming in until he actually saw his hand in the in the frame. And, and that was <laughs> all he could do. It was impossible to really call that play the way you wished you could have if you'd seen the whole play. Uh, but that was part of the season. And we were just glad, I think, to get, get back playing again and happy about that and and uh, look forward to even better things in 2022. We're
2: excited about this upcoming baseball season. And, uh, Tom, uh, for Steve, I'm, I'm sure as well myself, uh, we are so glad that we were able to talk with you here today on the Lockdown Reds podcast and looking forward to uh, – some baseball whenever that's going to happen. But as soon as it does, we're going to be all over it.
1: Minor league baseball will start, uh, we believe, on time. We've had every indication would be that, uh, you know, if there's a lockout, it won't affect us. Our opening day game is April the 8th against the Fort Wayne Ball Club, which is a Padres affiliate uh, here at Day Air Ballpark in Dayton. And we're looking forward to that first series and getting the season started. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day.
2: Always a great time getting to talk with Tom Nichols from the Dayton Dragons. Going to see if we can do something during the season, maybe like a monthly prospect update or something like that to kind of check in and see what's going on with the Dragons. Because I know we obviously focus quite a bit here on Lockdown Reds for the Cincinnati Reds, but there's so much that goes on throughout the farm system and the organization as far as player development goes. Going to see if we can uh, bump that up a little bit. But that's going to do it for us here today on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks for making us your hashtag first listen of the day. Now make Locked On Bets your second listen as your boy Q and Lee Sterling help you make a couple of bucks over on betonline.ag. That's Locked On Bets, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. Coming up next week, we're going to talk more about platoons that can help out the Reds and look at some interesting trade offers, so make sure you send in your mock trades for Mock Trade Monday. It's either going to be on Tuesday or or Monday, or it's going to be our first episode of the week next week. Hey, it might be the offseason, and hopefully the lockout that we're currently in is going to be ending soon. Who knows? But no matter what, we are locked on Reds every single day.